can the supplier-buyer relationship break its obsession with price? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The classic law of supply and demand dictates that the relationship between a buyer and supplier of goods will always be fraught with tension, as the two parties seesaw in a never-ending struggle for advantage. One side negotiates for the cheapest possible price, while the other seeks the highest. Rarely do they come away both equally satisfied. It would seem that no amount of aspirational talk of collaboration can challenge this dynamic, unless, of course, there's a global pandemic that forces the parties to consider their engagement in a new light. Today, I'm speaking with Sheldon Maidat, founder and CEO of Supico, who believes customers and their suppliers can indeed elevate their relationship to one not based exclusively on price, even to the point of infusing that favorite buzzword collaboration with real meaning. What does it mean today to be a supplier of choice or a customer of choice? Here's my conversation with Sheldon Maidat. Sheldon Maidat, welcome to the show. Robert, hi. Good to be here. We're talking today about the supplier-buyer relationship and what each one desires in the other. What's a supplier of choice? What's a customer of choice? And things like that. I want to start out by asking you, what is a supplier of choice in the eyes of the buyer-slash-customer? What is the ideal supplier that makes them the ideal partner in today's environment? But for many emerging managed service type arrangements or customer-supplier relationships, what I'm seeing is that customers like to see in suppliers, an environment that fosters innovation. It's very much a reciprocal relationship. So it's not a kind of linear customer viewing the supplier in a way and supplier viewing the customer in a way. It's really about the relationship now rather than viewing the supplier and managing the supplier or the supplier viewing the customer and managing and viewing how they manage the customer. It's all about the relationship and the way that environment fosters the right behaviors. From the customer's perspective, looking out at the supplier, it's very important that the right kind of behaviors are are set up in order to drive innovation, drive innovation. And what the customer likes to see is that the right reciprocal type relationship will encourage innovation on the supplier side, but that that innovation is actually shared through, shared downstream into the customer relationship. So that value is passed through. The way things Mm -hmm. used to happen in that regard is that the supplier would innovate, but the relationship would not necessarily create an environment where the supplier wanted to share the value from the innovation. They would just see it as an opportunity to increase their margin, increase their own opportunity to drive value. Can you give me an example of what you mean by innovation? What would be an example of an innovation that a supplier could enable that would be particularly attractive to a customer? I can give you a direct example of one of our customers that has relationships with a number of electronics manufacturers. 
And there was one example specifically where this manufacturer was able to improve the process in which semiconductor chips essentially were assembled onto boards. And that improvement drove a lot of efficiencies in the assembly process. And obviously, there was an incumbent saving there as well. But because of the relationship, the innovation that was created on the supplier side, and let's face it, most innovation is born on the supplier side. 70% of innovation lives in the external supplier side of the relationship. And is proactively driven by the supplier? Yes. There are a number of reasons for that. So if you look at the one of the core ingredients of successful innovation is diversity. It's diversity of thought. If you think that suppliers are generally within a supply chain, for example, are in many ways smaller than many of the bigger customers that they provide services to. Innovation, and that's one of the reasons that innovation is found a lot more in the external supplier than it is in the in the customer, because you generally hear more about diversity and inclusion within suppliers, and that has been proven to drive innovation. You hear more about that in smaller suppliers than you do in large corporations. I wonder if that's because the smaller supplier is, by definition, required to be more nimble in order to that's survive. Correct. And Absolutely has correct. to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely correct. Yeah. When you look so, at the larger corporates, you do find that the C-suites are still evolving in terms of the diversity that you find in them. And that trickles down. What we're talking here about from a supplier side is is a technology thing. When you say innovation, I think you're referring to the method by which a product or a component is produced or in what it contains. Is there not also kind of a relationship aspect to it, too? What does a customer want in a supplier in terms of its ability to react to sudden changes in demand, uh, sudden changes in volume, sudden changes in location of where they're producing for? I mean, just to be nimble on that side, on the relationship side, isn't that important as well? Absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. Yes, there is technology innovation, as I've alluded, and then there's the opportunity to drive value from that in terms of shared R&D and passing that through as part of having a good relationship. And shared R&D is a very, very big area of collaborative value being realized. That's absolutely right. It's being able to work in a very agile way to turn around slick process to drive improvement. A lot of the time, technology is an enabler of that kind of a situation as well. You'll find that more and more companies are evolving away. They're learning and growing, maturing in terms of their ability to move away from a legacy governance process. You know, your your traditional monthly legacy cycles or, or monthly functional governance sessions, your performance reviews that take place on a monthly basis, delivery meetings that happen on a monthly basis. You've got all of the standard tracking of progress that gets reported up through these governance sessions. Technology mm-hmm. is moving the supply chain away from that. It's moving supplier-customer relationships away from that, and it's making a much more immediate kind of atmosphere in which to operate drive that innovation as well. So you're no longer having a wait, yeah. wait on monthly cycles and looking at lead times and time to action. Everything is becoming much more immediate. If you look at, I think McKinsey, they released a great, great study on this that actually shows how procurement technologies are able to drive so much value incrementally, annually, just by breaking yeah. away from that monthly governance cycle in terms of a more immediate collaborative approach to driving improvement and innovation. 
in most of these cases, I would imagine we're talking, let's say the case of these suppliers, they probably have multiple customers. This is not going to be necessarily an exclusive relationship. And if that is the case, the innovations that the suppliers are undertaking, are they expected to be undertaking those innovations strictly on behalf of one customer? Or can those innovations spread against the entire customer base of a supplier and benefit all the customers of that supplier? Well, that's a really, really good point, Robert. So, I mean, you've just touched on something that sounds like customer of choice to me. Now, the fact is that suppliers are better at collaborating in an innovative way than customers are because they do it for many customers. So they're quite adept mm-hmm. at it. When you start to look at the change in attitude towards customer of choice, and this is customers, by the way, saying we want to be customer of choice. You've also got the supplier. You, you talk about balance of power when, when you think of customer of choice. Customers want to be customer of choice. What does that mean? That means they want to be able to collaborate. They want to move away from saying to suppliers, we want another reduction. We want another reduction. Always looking at the numbers. and We want another point reduction on an, another 5% reduction on an annual basis. There's only so many percentage points you can knock out of a deal before you start compromising mm-hmm. on quality. The newer approach to that is let's collaborate. Show me how we can collaborate by focusing on the top line rather than the bottom line. If we can focus collaboratively on the top line where we've got so much more room to maneuver as a community within a company, within a company supply relationship anyway, mm-hmm. to drive value at the top line, which ultimately, as we know, affects the bottom line positively. Let's assume then that we're getting away from a relationship based entirely upon price. And each quarter, you're required to reduce your your cost by X amount in order to keep us happy as your customer. But is there also not another transactional reason for uh, defining a customer in choice? And that is the customer's practice in paying the supplier, in paying on time, not extending terms beyond points that the supplier can't sustain. That's been a real problem lately. Do you put that in the category of also an important criterion for defining customer of choice? Hugely important. Hugely important. And in fact, that challenge was really brought into focus during the pandemic, where you had customers essentially becoming worried that their suppliers wouldn't be able to sustain themselves because they were already struggling with tight payment profile. So that's another really big thing where customers have been focusing on ensuring that their suppliers were paid on time or paid in accordance with a preferred payment profile shortening their payment profile Mm -hmm. rather than pushing it out. So yes, that's a very, very important area. We were involved very heavily during the pandemic with some of our customers to actually focus on what could be done. What kind of studies could we look at to actually show where smaller suppliers were struggling and how could they be helped? We could have an entire other discussion on the whole issue of uh, financing of terms and the like. Some of those solutions too, but I'm just assuming that the ability of a customer to make those timely payments and not stretch the supplier beyond its ability to achieve a profit would be important. Ideally, you would want a relationship in which both sides are sort of equal and both sides are working together hand in hand to achieve a common goal. And yet the reality of it, of course, is that that dynamic shifts, that at one moment the balance of power rests with the customer and at the other moment it rests with the supplier. I'm just wondering, where do you see that pendulum at this point in time? Let me give you the run up to that. Let's look at supply chain, customer and and its supply chain over the last 30 odd years. Let's face it, it's been all about the numbers and it's been able to be so. It's been able to operate that way. Despite various disruptions along the way, there's nothing that's really shaken it to its core. 
And so it's operated that way right up until the pandemic. And that was a real knockout blow. That was a call to action. During the pandemic, we already saw CPOs coming out and saying, we need to do something. We need to take action. We need to change. We've been operating this way for so long. Coming off the back of the pandemic, we're likely to see, we, we, we still don't know where it's going yet, let's be honest, but will we see a recession coming out the end of this? We don't know. But the mm. statements were coming off the back of the recession, coming off the back of the pandemic, we need to change. We need to look at another way to meet our value targets. If business diminishes through economic pressure, then our pre-baked in margins, supply chain has been all about the numbers for so long, which means it's been about the numbers, pre-baked profit margins, 10 to 15% de facto margins. If business is based on that and you hit a recession, recession of economics says that business is going to diminish, which means our margins are going to diminish. The only thing that doesn't are the value targets. How do we meet the value targets? Yeah. We need to look up into the relationships. And that is the paradigm shift within the supply chain. If you look at Forrester, Hackett Group, McKinsey, Gartner, they've all said the same thing. 95, 90, 95% of supply chain professionals are now actively seeking to invest in supply chain resilience, relationship-driven resilience. This is the change, and that is all about driving a better relationship. This is driving the change. And then you start thinking about, okay, customer of choice, because we're now talking about collaborating, driving relationships. That's a mm -hmm. step change for many, many customers out there. Less of a step change for suppliers who are already quite adept at, at collaborating, as I said, because they do it for a number of customers. And if you've got one customer that wants to collaborate and you've got another one that you're providing the same services to and they want more reduction, focusing purely on the bottom line, which way are you going to go? And that is what's driving to be fair to CPOs, to chief procurement officers, for so many years, they've simply been under the marching orders handed down from them, from the C-suite, from higher executives saying, your job is to get us increasing discounts with each succeeding quarter. So they're only following directions. So this means then that the scenario that you're proposing has to be supported at the very top of the organization of the customer, does it not? We need to get that message through. Yes, it does. I absolutely agree with you. The thing that's driving the ability to make an informed decision right at the top is the evolving ability to drive substantive value from the relationship. That's never been the case. Mm -hmm. Things are changing in that space. Until now, as I said, supply chain, it's been all about the numbers. It's been all about the numbers. Yeah. And there's a need. The need to change is driven by the requirement to drive value out of somewhere else rather than just contract. Do you think that the disruptions that came about as a result of the pandemic might have awakened customer organizations to the need to taking a fresh approach to their suppliers? When those supplies temporarily dried up, when factories shut down, when it became harder to get product, do you think that sort of woke them up to the fact that this has to be about more than just cost? Oh, 100%. 100%. Because if it's all about cost, that doesn't give you any ability to adapt. Supply chains have been rigid. They've been about lowest cost supplier, just-in-time purchasing. These models don't allow flex because they're so concerned about driving down costs. But unfortunately, that doesn't give us any room to maneuver. We can go back to the sewers crisis recently with the Ever Given. I mean, that, that in itself, of course, so those problems are still untangling themselves. There's another difficult balance here to be struck, and I'm wondering how you feel about it. And that is, on one hand, 
A supplier values a customer that shows it the most amount of loyalty. And from the customer's standpoint, to give most, if not all, of your business to a single supplier generally entitles you to a better price, to a better relationship, to higher amount of collaboration. At the same time, so supplier strategies break down very easily and, and entail quite a bit of supply chain risk. So you want to diversify your supplier base. How do you balance the need for supplier loyalty to enable the kind of collaborative relationship we're talking about? At the same time, you need to spread your business around in order to protect against future disruptions. I think the two are almost mutually exclusive. I think that driving a good, innovative, safe, relationship with your suppliers, I don't think that necessitates a single source solution. It all depends on the particulars of the service. There is also nothing wrong with good commercial tension. As far as I'm concerned, the two things are mutually exclusive. Market criteria will always be there. Yes, exactly. You, know, you can all yeah, sing, sing out of the same hymn book, but you still got to take care of things that address yeah. your bottom line and the need to spread the business around and be protected in the case of disruptions. Yeah. And that's healthy. That's healthy. We need to do what we need to do in order to be resilient. And part of that being resilient is to have the ability to pivot. You know, suppliers know that as well. They know that. Competition is a good thing for a start. And I think that it's expected as well. So everything you've been talking to me about in the last few minutes, is it aspiration or is it reality? To what extent is this actually happening versus this is what should be happening in supplier-customer relationships? We're seeing it. We're absolutely seeing it mm -hmm. growing. But yes, it's aspirational. We haven't reached utopia yet where it's all about the relationships everywhere you look. But I think it's on its way. We've got a few years yet to go. Sheldon Maidat of Supico, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with me to enlighten me as to where we need to be going in the supplier-customer relationship to foster the greatest amount of value in the future. Thank you very much for your time. Robert, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. That was my conversation with Sheldon Maidat of Supico, talking about the possibility of a truly collaborative buyer and supplier relationship. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter at SCBrain. You can also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.